Welcome to the Life of Christ Series 2. This is Term 4 and Lesson 34. We're going to continue where we left off. Now, we got to Ezekiel chapter 1 and verse 21, and uh, looking at just some of the heavenly things that Jesus could have talked about um, had Nicodemus just received what he had said. In fact, let me just continue on in my notes here. Jesus would have loved to have explained to Nicodemus what this and some of the more elusive Old Testament scriptures were talking about, had Nicodemus just received what he said wholeheartedly and not gone in the direction that he did. One thing is for sure, if some of these other conversations had taken place, it would have been proof enough to Nicodemus that Jesus was actually God manifested in the flesh. And the two men would have gone on to have one of the most fulfilling and enlightening conversations ever recorded in the Gospels, as, the, as God the Son spoke with one of the greatest, the greatest intellectual and spiritual leaders of the time, the teacher of Israel, Nicodemus. So, you know, this would have been incredible. And can you just imagine some of the things that would have been recorded? Wow. I think it would have been awesome. All right. But sadly, that was not to be the case. Instead, we see Nicodemus struggling with the very ABCs of faith. And why Jesus asked the question, how will you believe? With D.A. Carson confirming all this and saying, Jesus' teaching on the new birth is elementary. If Nicodemus had apocalyptic leanings, then he might have wanted to know (laughs) what the new heavens and the new earth would be like what the kingdom of God would be like when it finally dawned. However, if Nicodemus stumbles over this elementary point of entry, then what is the use of going on to explain more of the details of life in the kingdom? Amen? Now let me go on here. In verse 13, Jesus now goes and says, He says, No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is, the Son of Man, who is in heaven. Alright, now you begin to understand. Let me pull this verse apart a little bit because there's a lot in here. And we don't want to go past it. Now the statement, no one has ascended to heaven, tells us that before Christ went to the cross and paid the price for all mankind, even all the Old Testament saints, including Enoch and Elijah, had not gone to heaven but to paradise in the uppermost regions of hell, also referred to as Abraham's bosom. All right, And we see this in what is recorded in Luke chapter 16, verses 22 through 24, and then to verse 26, where Jesus, relating the story of the rich man and Lazarus, all right, says that, And it came to pass that the beggar, that's Lazarus, died, and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. Notice it didn't say into heaven. It says to Abraham's bosom. The rich man died also and was buried. Verse 23, And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and saw Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. So, we see, so here we see again hell mentioned, and above the place in hell where the rich man was being tormented was Abraham's bosom. Do you understand? Okay. So, and, and, and it says here, And he, the rich man, cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. Now, there is not one recorded account of people in heaven ever being able to see those in hell. All right? Otherwise, it wouldn't really be heaven, seeing people, you know, suffering all day and night. Do you understand? 
All right, and in verse, in fact, in verse 26, Abraham says, "Between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence." So we can't go from this side to your side, and nobody can come from your side to our side. All right, so there, there is no gulf between heaven and hell. There's only a, there was only a gulf between Abraham's bosom, paradise. And the lower part of hell. Do you all get this? Okay, thank God that place isn't there anymore in that all the saints were taken. Okay, and and resurrected. But, what we're seeing here, again, tells us that everybody that died, nobody went to heaven. Everybody that died went into paradise. Okay, so the statement that Jesus is making here, alright, so what he's trying to say is, when he said no one has ascended to heaven, He's saying no one has ascended to heaven. We need to understand nobody had got there yet. That's why he was here to pay a price so that they could all be ushered up. Can you imagine the countless number that was waiting there? Now, let me just say this as well. I'm expanding your brain. Let me expand it a little bit more. Are you all ready? Okay. Can you imagine how big paradise must have been? For all the people since the fall that believed in God to go there. Generation after generation after generation, the number of people that would believe God that would end up there. Are you, are you starting to think how big this thing is? Okay, this is not like a little shelf in hell. Alright, see again, we need to now start thinking, you know, I guess the, I'm sorry to use this example, but, you know, I think it might help for those of you that sort of know Doctor Who, you know Doctor Who? You know how they go into the telephone booth and the thing just goes on and on and on? It, you know, it's like a dimensional thing. You go in there and it just it is bigger than it looks. <laughs> okay? You know what I'm trying to say? Okay? It's kind of like that. We, you know, we sort of have this mindset of, oh, it's probably just a little region that's there. But think about all the people that were just piling on there. Alright? And how are they living there? And there's water there. In hell. Okay? Remember? But the rich man doesn't have it. The lower part of hell has none. But this place that God said, Okay, I've got one spot there. But it's not a small place. It must be massive. And you can just imagine it must go on and on and on. Because, I mean, they're not going to climb over people living there. Remember, it's going to take a little while before Jesus comes and does all of this. 4,000 years. It's a lot of people that went up there, okay, in, those, in that 4,000 years. Are you all with me? So we need to understand that that is a vast place. Abraham's bosom isn't little. He got a big bosom. No. <laughs> okay. <All right. laughs> okay. You understand? It's massive. And as people are coming, they just, more and more people coming and they've got place to stay. Now, they don't mention about dwelling places or anything like that. Alright, so I'm not going to say anything about that. But, can I just say, they wouldn't be just sitting there all day, just on the sand, looking up, going, I don't know when this is going to end. This is really fun. We serve God so we could come and sit on the ground. In hell. <laughs> okay? Can I leave that with you? Okay? 
Obviously, there was more there than we know. Obviously, there was a place for water. Obviously, they had provision. My God shall provide. Okay? All right, just things to think about. So even though, again, see, because we have trouble, because we, have, we are so trapped in a natural realm, we, we, it's so difficult for us to see into another realm and to begin to understand, you know, distances and, and space. Do you understand? Okay, where things can be just vast, huge, and massive. All right, and where this earth, because of its physical limitations can only do so much and go so far. There are things that we don't know about that don't have uh, some of those restrictions. And they just keep going and keep going. Alright, I'll just say that. Now, there are boundaries, don't get me wrong. Okay? But I'm just saying that this realm is bound. There's another realm that is boundless. This realm has impossibilities. There's another realm that all things are possible. That's what Jesus is trying to tell us. That's what we are meant to be moving towards. From all the boundaries and the restrictions to the things that are impossible and boundless, limitless. Amen? All right. So, therefore, up to this point, the only being that had ever seen heaven and knew anything about it was the one who came from there and whose home it was. To understand why Jesus makes a point of this, in his commentary, <clears throat> D.A. Carson explains that the Judaism of Jesus' day circulated many stories of bygone saints who had ascended into heaven and received special insight into God's ways and plans. Many of these stories focused on Moses. That's why Moses is such a big deal with them. Okay? However, Jesus insists that no one has ascended to heaven in such a way as to return to talk about heavenly things. Only in heaven can true wisdom be found. That's in Proverbs 30 and verse 4. But Jesus can speak of heavenly things not because he ascended to heaven from a home on earth and then descended to tell others of his experiences, but because heaven was his home in the first place. The Son of Man who is in heaven, he said. And therefore he has inherently the fullness of heavenly knowledge, since again, he is the one who came from heaven. Amen. Okay? All right. So further to this, so now you're beginning to understand why, why Jesus was trying to get things across to us and why we are having so much trouble with it. He has come from a realm that he sees things in a way that we just can't. Alright? But he needs us too. In order for us to walk in that faith, in order for us to do the things that he now wants us to do. Can I put the cooler on? I'm kind of getting hot in here. Somebody has to turn it off. Thank you. Sorry. Okay, so <clears throat> that's the reason why he's, he's, he's trying to get across to us that we need to change the way we think. We need to expand our thinking. And we need to start putting aside all the things that this world has convinced us is impossible. Amen? And we need to start looking at all those things and begin to realize that they are the things concerning this earth. 
not what is possible from where we have come now. Remember, we have been born again from above. Now do you get it? Let me put it to a different way. Why did Jesus say to Nicodemus, you must be born again? Because you can't have this knowledge, grasp it, and operate the principles of that world unless you're born of it. Get it? Okay, so he says, what's born of flesh is flesh, and is subject to all the laws of flesh. Can I add that now? Get it? And he says, what's born of the Spirit is spirit, and now open to all that is available in the Spirit. Hallelujah. Amen. Okay, now we can move on. Further to this, William Hendrickson says that in order to have first-hand information about those heavenly things, one must have been present in God's throne room when the decisions were being made. Think about some of these things. This is not just about the new birth now. This is about life itself. This is about what we call laws. The laws that would govern this realm, the laws that would govern the spiritual realm. Hmm? All the things that would go into motion. All the decisions that were going to be made. What was permissible, what was not. Amen? This goes back to how the Apostle John began his gospel by saying, in John chapter 1, verses 1, 14, and 18, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14, And the Word became flesh, and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. So He was with God, He was God, then He's here. We beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Verse 18, says, no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, okay, as opposed to the Old Testament saints who were in the bosom of Abraham. See now why it's worded that way? Okay. He, that's the Son, also known as the Word, has declared, explained, and told us about Him. That's the Father. Get it? Okay. So the person that was in the bosom of the Father can tell us about the Father. All the rest was in the bosom of Abraham. They couldn't tell us about the Father. Okay. In his commentary, Leon Morris says that throughout this gospel, John insists on Jesus' heavenly origin. This is one way in which he brings out his point that Jesus is the Christ. Here, his heavenly origin marks Jesus off from the rest of humanity. Alright, verse 14. He says, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Now he's going to start talking about the plan of redemption. He's going to start talking about his death. All right, and what's going, to, what's going to happen here. This is what is going to lead us to our very beloved scripture, John 3.16. For God so loved the world. So we're in John 3.14 now, two scriptures away from that. Can you see what was leading to that? Okay, and all the conversations that took place before. Do you understand... Why John 3.16 now is in so important? Because Jesus is trying to say, I want to give you entry into something that was never available until now. And the only way you can get in and gain entry and have all of these things that you were meant to have 
is I need to die. Can you now understand when Peter said, you can't go and die, Jesus said, I've got to go. You don't get this, you still don't get it. Do you understand what Jesus was saying was, do you not understand that what you had seen, the mountaintop, when I was up there and I shone like the sun, when I was walking on water, when I turned water into wine, when I raised the dead, when demons are being cast out left, right, and said, do you not get it? Do you not understand that the only way you can access any of those things is for me to die, for me to pay a price, and for you to be reborn? You know, Peter writes that we are to be born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible seed. He uses that term as well. So obviously he got it. He understood, because he, he needed to get it, man, because he's the one that tried to stop Jesus. That's why it's so significant. Do you get it? That's the other side that balances it, see? All right? Obviously he got it. He understood why Jesus had to go. Otherwise, his shadow wouldn't be healing people and all that stuff. And it wasn't his shadow. It was the radiance going out as far as where his shadow was. That was a power of God that was just emanating. And should be in us. So powerfully, it should get bigger and bigger. Until those circles start to join. Never mind, you're not ready for that yet. Okay, let's keep going. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. All right. (laughs) All right. So, this immediately tells us that the plan of redemption was not something entirely new, but something that had been partially disclosed in types and shadows in the Old Testament. And of all those types and shadows of particular importance was this incident where Moses lifted up the serpent, okay, a brass on a pole, in the wilderness, this is in Numbers 21, and all those that looked at it that had been bitten by fiery serpents were miraculously healed. All right. R. Kent Hughes says that the details of the analogy are remarkable. The snakes are symbolic of sin. In fact, the perfect symbol of sin because it was a serpent that tempted Adam and Eve in the garden. Thereby bringing sin into the world. Did you get that? Okay. William MacDonald adds, Men and women have been bitten by the viper of sin and are condemned to eternal death. The serpent of brass was a type of picture of the Lord Jesus. Brass in the Bible speaks of judgment. The Lord Jesus was sinless and should never have been punished. But He took our place and bore the judgment which we deserved. The pole speaks of the cross of Calvary on which the Lord Jesus was lifted up. Okay. Now, can, I, can we stop here for a minute? Can you understand why such a great price had to be paid? We understand the price, but we don't understand the other side of it. We don't understand why the price was so great. Because the reward was incredible. We think it's just the new birth, but that was just the entry point. What we don't still see is as horrific as that event was, there was something glorious that was meant to happen on the other side. Jesus heralded that by saying, wait in the upper room until the Holy Spirit comes. You guys need power now to do this. This isn't about winning debates. This isn't about you talking somebody to death, <laughs> okay, or to life, or whatever. Do you understand? This isn't about that. This is about Nicodemus saying, we know you're from God because of what you do, the works. So you're going to have the same works. Jesus says, 
Not only will you do these works, but greater works shall you do, because I go to the Father. He didn't say greater works you'll do because you're apostles. The reason for the greater works is because of what he did in going to the Father. There were things that needed to be fixed up. We had to be reinstated. Okay? The only way we could be reinstated for it was for us to get born again. That's the only way. That's why we want people born again. Do you understand now what, what we've been missing? We've been saying, you need Jesus. Y'all need to get saved. Come along and join our church. Because we, you know, oh dear Lord. I mean, I love the Southerns. But you know, you, you know what I'm trying to say? We missed it. This wasn't about saving people. This, okay, this was, thank you there, brother in the back. Okay, this was about a new birth. An entry into a new realm, into something that mankind needed to get into in order to counteract the horrific effects that sin had on this world. We need a power from its origin to come back in and change it all. Are you getting this? And the only way that power could be channeled through us was for us to get born again. We needed to be new inside so that God could channel power without killing us. Remember they touched the covenant, the ark of the covenant, they all dropped dead because they couldn't handle it. So you know, God's going, we need to do something about this. People are touching myself and dying. Okay? So that's the reason why he said a new birth is needed. We need to change them to become like us. Now are we the children of God. Get it? We're like Him now. Now we can touch the covenant. We can play with the ark and everything. Not that you should. But you know what I'm trying to say? <laughs> okay? That power can flow through us without killing us. Are you, you getting this? And we have the ability now to channel it and to actually reach into that realm. Now, there are so many scriptures that we just keep missing. Now do you get we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. We're not here. We're there now. We, ha- we are literally accessing... Eternal life, constantly. We are literally accessing the power of God eternally. It's there. Greater is He who is in you, who you are seated with, at the right hand of God. Get the duality? Okay, so not only are you down here, but you're up there as well. That's our source. We pull power from there, and we should just be literally over. That's, that's, and all this happens through this little word called faith, which we still, you know, has got religized and all out the window. Okay? It's, it's this thing, it's a conduit, it's a power. It's just like we reach out and receive it, and we pull it in. Remember the woman with the issue of blood? Jesus didn't even know she was there. And he said, Whoa, virtue went out of me. Who did that? <laughs> Who messed with my power? Somebody pulled power out of him without his knowledge, so to speak. Do you know what I'm trying to say? With, you know, okay, he was happy to give it, but you know, it's just like the woman pulled it. Remember, because the disciple said, everybody's touching. He said, no, 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 virtue, power has gone out of me. Somebody has actually pulled something out of me. And he said, daughter, your faith 
Can I say it this way? Daughter, your faith pulled that power out of me and made you whole. Okay? So we need to understand how to pull that power from God himself. Now that he's inside, this woman had to get to Jesus to pull the power. Jesus is now inside us. Do you understand? He's inside of us. We don't have to go far to get that power and pull that. Because the person in us is seated at the right hand of God. There is a link between what's inside of us and heaven. We have a direct connection through the new birth. Through who lives in us. Getting this? I I need to give you all this information, otherwise you won't know how to pull this in. Okay? Through knowledge, you'll begin now to open doors on the inside of you that will then reach out and pull from there what you need in here to release it back out here. Okay. I want to share so much with you. And again, you know. um, 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 uh, Yeah. Okay. All right. (laughs) All right. So I need you to understand all of this stuff because this is, this is who we are. This is what we were recreated to be. This is what we were born again to do. It wasn't to follow a bunch of rules and laws and dear Lord. You know what those things are? Those things are to stop us from getting into trouble. That we don't compromise the power that is trying to flow through us. Do you get what I'm trying to say? You know, it's kind of like knowing what to do and where the boundaries are so that you don't go beyond something. You, you know, instead of putting the, the plug in the plug point, you stick your finger in there. No, no, that doesn't work. You need to put the plug in there, then things will start to work. You put your finger in there, that's called dying. <laughs> okay? Even though my son tried it. Uh, I wonder why his hair is always standing up. But anyway, <laughs> okay? But uh, it was a miracle of God that he is alive. Anyway, and you know, God just looks after us. When he was little, he just, just went for it. It was all black there. <laughs> Let me just say that much. Anyway, but do you understand? The, all of that, see, again... W- when people teach religion, what they do is say, oh, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this. Now live your life. Well, what the heck kind of life is that? What they, okay? what they don't say, what they don't show is, okay, don't do these things because as you are reaching up and out into that realm, these are the things that get in the way. These are the things that start weighing you down. So if you want to detach from some of these things that are holding you down, you need to throw some of those bags out of your little balloon that wants to rise. The more weight, the weight of sin. Do you understand? The more you toss out, the further up you'll go. And you'll start going up. And there's no ceiling to this thing. Unlike the balloon. And you know, you get too high, you can't breathe. That won't happen for you. You're destined for limitlessness. You are destined to go places nobody else has gone before. Or can't even imagine. You get this? So these things that we say, and the Bible says, don't do this, don't be angry, don't, be, you know, don't have hatred in your heart, you know, don't be resentful, don't get mad about things. All of those things are things that, that mess up the generator in you that causes you to reach into that realm and begin to pull things in that allow them to flow through you unhindered. Okay, so all of this stuff that we are being told not to do is so that and we don't see the other side, is so that we can get into a place where we can pull limitless power out of a realm and channel it through this body that will not have any sin that's going to hurt. Because as we sin, when the power hits you, it'll hurt. Do you hear me? Getting this? Alright. That's why Jesus said... Remember just when he finishes with the mountain? 
Think about what he said. See, we'd never piece things together. When he said, who should ever say to this mountain, he was talking about a literal mountain when he was talking, because that mountain will be cast into the ocean, by the way. All right? He was talking about a literal mountain. But then he turns around and says, if you have anything in your heart, any you know, anger or hatred or anything in your heart, let go. If you have anything against anybody, let it go. Forgive. Can we not get it? Do we not get it? Do we not see the power gets jeopardized by this? This isn't Jesus going, okay, I'm going to take away your fun now. Y'all better forgive everybody and be a doormat for everybody to walk on. Because that's what you're here for and God will test you and try you. And we'll see if you still love him when he's finished with you. Oh, stupid. Somebody said there's not a lot of preachers in heaven. I wonder why. Seriously. What have they been preaching? Hmm? Yeah, I want to go there. I want to go, go to go finally. Let's get back to this. Okay, I'm almost out of time. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Do you see the price? Do you understand for power to flow, we couldn't have any unrighteousness in us? R. Kent Hughes points out that no matter how horribly they were bitten, we were talking about the serpents in the wilderness, and, okay? <clears throat> no matter how many times they had been bitten, or how sick they were, the opportunity for salvation was there. Even the most uh, degraded and miserable sinner who looks to Christ will be saved. That is why our Lord used this wonderful illustration. Let me stop there. Now let me give this to you in a different light. Now that you're beginning to understand what Jesus did, what Dorsey was opening for us, now you understand that no matter how far a person had sunk, no matter how far in sin and depravity and I don't care what, in the gutter, there was a doorway that would open, that would lead to limitless everything. And when Satan thought that they just couldn't go down any further, and there's no way that thing would ever climb back out. Get it? There was something that would miraculously change all of that. And I don't care how much that mind, man's mind or woman's mind has just, just been not used and just is useless. There was the mind of Christ that would come in and overtake all of that and reconnect everything that needs to be connected. There was the faith of God that would start pulling in. Remember he says, your gift will make the way. All right? Don't say to yourself, my power has got me this wealth. For it is God, He gives you the power to get wealth. So out of the gutter comes a power from heaven that will then re-energize this person. Are you getting the picture? And start to change this person to where they literally receive a power that will start to operate in their life that will bring wealth into them. So they can be down in the dumps and useless and absolutely just, you know, some... The whole world has given up. Watch now, can be changed 
and receive power from another realm that will make him one of the most highly honored and leading individuals in society. That's the miracle. That's what's there. I kind of ran out of time, but anyway. Let me just finish in verse 15. He says that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. That is God's life. Life that never ends. The moment that you receive Jesus Christ as Lord, you began your eternal life in heaven while you're down here. That's why it is so important we understand that we are seated in heavenly places. That took place when you received Jesus as Lord. You got transferred up there. We have been taken out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of His dear Son. Get it? Okay? So we have transferred. A lot of things have happened. And we need to understand, acknowledge, and start to move into those things. And understand all the things that God is telling you not to do is stopping you from getting into there. There are things that are getting in the way. Start seeing the potential that is before you. Not what you have to give up, but what you have to gain. Amen? Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. We'll stop there today.